Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What's good, Internet? It is April 17th, 2017. A lot of 17s there in a row. All the 17s. We're coming to you live from Lobby One in Brooklyn, New York. Vice HQ, you already know what it is. Yeah. Let's get it. Yeah. Monday morning. Monday morning. Got all that energy. Ah. Take this week by storm. I got meetings. (laughs) I'm going to interview some intern possible I already have. I did an an intern interview already once. New codes for the time cards. New codes. You gotta when you go onto Replicon and you say that you work for fifty hours, you gotta make sure you say you did some of it on podcast. That's right. That way, no one thinks that you spent all your time editing news stories. Yeah, you editing podcasts. Editing podcasts, writing short form scripts. That's right. Bureaucracy. Yeah. Digital. Get it. Pyramid futures. Woo. <laughs> What's up? How's everybody doing? It's my cat's birthday and my girlfriend's birthday. Oh, that's the order you went with. <laughs> Danielle Riendo joining us. Hi. How you uh, doing? Monday. How you doing? It's Monday. It's birthday day. It's birthday day. 417 birthday it's Ori? day. Which, which animal of yours? It's Ori. Is? Ori. The youngest of my animals. Is that named, is that cat, cat, dog? Which cat, one? It's a cat. Ori's, she's a little cat. She's a cat. Named for, um, named for Ori in the Blind Forest or named for a different Ori? It's just Orion the Hunter. Oh, okay. Greek mythology because she's like really tiny but really scrappy. So we thought like, oh, a hunter name is a good name for yeah, her. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Yeah. What what are your favorite pet names of all time, Rob Zachney? Go. <laughs> Robert so, Zachney. So, no, I, look, this is super embarrassing, but I kind of like, I had a dog named Lady because she looks like Lady from Lady and the Tramp. That's and cute. I kind of enjoyed the associations, but like, not exactly oh, Hunter. Cute. Not exactly like, oh man, this is, this is Ori. Like Orion, the hunter. This was this was lady. She had little bows in her in her ears. <laughs> Look, good. if she was, if that was her personality, we don't bow shame. No, actually, okay? no, actually, this is the great thing. She was named Lady, but like she did not give a shit, uh, except for when she was literally, <laughs> literally eating shit, uh, which was a bad habit mm. she had. But she, she was, was also just shit. the fiercest yeah. of the dogs. She was she was the dog. She was the smallest and the meanest. Yep, that's how it works usually. You know. Uh, Patrick, how's Pixel doing? Still kicking. I'm not worried about you so much, but your dog. How's your dog? <laughs> how's your dog? dog? <laughs> yeah, dog's dog's fine. I didn't even name that dog. That dog came with that name. What? Aww. Yeah. You're no, yeah. We uh, we adopted what? Pixel from a shelter, and the uh, woman who uh, had rehabilitated her, she was found wandering the streets of San Jose, Aww. from what I understand. Uh, Damn. Like a rejected breeder dog. So, like, they had tried to use her as a breeder dog. It didn't really pan out, so she was just tossed out in the street. So oh the God. woman who works with the uh, uh, the, the group that uh, rehabilitated her, she has, like, you know, like 10, 12 dogs at any one time. And a lot of the dogs are found on the street, and a lot of the dogs don't have names. 
And so she would, uh, the, the story goes, it may be apocryphal, but it's the story I believe in, so back off, um, <laughs> is uh, that uh, she would look in a thesaurus and just she would go to like small and just go to the next word, and then that would be the name of the dog just until uh, they were adopted. Uh, and at that point, right, then, and then you, the, they renamed the owner yeah. could rename. But, um, you know, we were looking at dogs and it's the dog named Pixel, and I was like, all right, people are going to assume for the rest of my life that I nerd name my dog, but yep. that's fine, and the true story is much cooler, so again, back off. I love that. That's beautiful. Thank I'm happy you. for you. And Thank your you. story and your dog. Thank you. I'm happy we all are coming back from a weekend. Yeah. It's, uh, it is a Monday. We are. I'm trying to do my best and live the life of that, that woman I met in the kitchen who right. liked Mondays a, a bunch. She liked Monday mornings because it per- was like coming off a weekend, feeling fresh. Right. I'm like- going to pretend all that's true and just like fake it until you make it, baby. <laughs> that's right. That's so I right. got this far. How was everybody's weekend? Did anybody have like an especially meaningful or memorable weekend? I did Easter stuff with my family and my pets. What was your Easter stuff? It was mostly my parents met Ori for the first time. Very important. And she played with their hair, which was really nice. That's and cute. then we took Drakey, my little dog, my little dog, Drake, who oh. has a very special name. Uh-huh. Uh, we took him to the dog park, and my dad got to experience a dog park for the first time in his life. Like, fully experience a dog park. Like, how many dogs were there? There's like, 15 Did they do the dogs? thing where, like, a big dog runs around in the circle and all the little dogs, like, have fun chasing well, after Well, this is it? actually, uh, there's a small dog run and a big dog Oh, run. they separate them. Yeah, they separate them. Around, you gotta keep them separated. Yeah, yeah, you gotta keep I got them it. Separated. I found and, like, the My Little good. Dog Drake very telling in that anecdote. Yeah. My oh. Little Dog Drake, who was alienated every single other person <laughs> in his life except Danielle. It's true. It's very true. You're very protective, which I which I respect. I'm protective because he's like a very special needs dog. Like he's very, very. Spe- he was so good yesterday. He was. We gave him a solid B plus. Where normally he's like F. See me after class. Is the special <laughs> needs he has that he needs you to pick up all the poop he put all over his the apartment. There's a lot of that. He definitely tried to poop on the treadmill yesterday. But we had a solution that worked, and it was beautiful. What was the solution made of? Was it like vinegar or literally uh, paper towels under his ass, so he couldn't poop on the treadmill. <laughs> that's and not so a solution. So it couldn't that's fly not a solution. to the other that's side like, of the room. That's like the boat is sinking, but I got a solution: <laughs> life rafts. It's pretty much where we're at with Drake, but it worked. Did it? Everybody survived. Yeah. Your parents were over when this was happening? They weren't over yet. This okay. was before brunch, you know. I would lose my appetite. <laughs> Have your friends exhibited any, like, change of enthusiasm about, like, visiting your apartment since Drake began keep him in one, redecorating well, it? Drake has his decorating tips, like, decorating tips with Drake. They're, you know, maybe they're a little non-traditional. Uh-huh. You might say. Yeah, they're you're a in little Brooklyn. What's the Colorful. You know? Yeah. You might say. Mm-hmm. Just try diplomacy. It's like the space pirates thing. Just <laughs> just try to work Sometimes it out. Sometimes you have a non-traditional view of the world. We, and... uh, we did a, a stream of Stellaris in which we sure did. Uh, Danielle refused to let us attack the space pirates. Uh, we left here them a the preserve. Options. You had a veto and I let you use the veto. Crazy option. murder and letting them stomp on your face. I just wanted a middle way was all I wanted. Yeah, well. You know what I'm saying? I wanted to talk to them before just blowing them up forever. Mm-hmm. So did Neville. Call me crazy. Um, what, uh, so did Neville. Uh huh. Good. Rob, you played some more Solaris over the weekend. Yes, I right? did. Uh, how how was that going? So I'm definitely getting way more into Solaris than I have in the past. Like the first 
time I took a stab at it, there just wasn't a whole lot for me to latch on to. And this time it's going a little bit better. And part of that is maybe just I'm more in the mood to play a game like Stellaris right now. I'm, oh, I'm sure. sort of enjoying a 4X renaissance, uh, which I was not uh, the last time that I played Stellaris. But also, I guess like I did end up taking a page from your book, Austin. And I guess the experience of playing with you and Danielle uh, changed it as well. <laughs> with a game like Stellaris, I'm trying real hard, Ringo, uh, to, <laughs> to just... Nice. Give nice. give myself over to what it needs from me as a, like to to tell its story basically the like, role I'm play. You're, you're to saying you have Stellaris to is real. right. You have to RP. You have to make yeah. your your original character. You have to bring your your OC your OC into <laughs> Stellaris and really meet it halfway and start LARPing. I put on more than a halfway. Whole get up. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and you wrote about this, so this is on the site now. You can you can take a look at Rob's kind of like tug, kind of push and pull on this of like, does it leave you the, the gaps that you need to imagine a new space world, or is it does it leave too many gaps where it's just a lot of passive bonuses and not enough flavor? It is not enough space pirate negotiation. Yeah. It is amazing that you can justify all sorts of things based on random events you observe in a game if you really, really yeah. want to. Like, a thing I mentioned in this piece, but I didn't go into too much detail, is that in Stellaris I created uh, this race of um, bear people, bear scientists, uh, who Love are already. pacifist, little bit sedentary, a mm-hmm. uh, little bit materialist, they like to hibernate. They yeah. like honey. Yeah. They're yeah. Just... Who could say what the inspiration for this was, Rob? Who could say? Just big, <laughs> sleepy, cuddly bears that love science. <laughs> Rob, I'm right here. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's, it was, See, oh, this you. is the new role play that we yeah. need to do oh, here. <laughs> this is the new oh, one. Oh, God. All right. Archive of our own is going to be real weird later. <laughs> oh, God. So the thing is... Um, so they're they're hyper rationalist. They they they're not spiritualist at all. And I'd sort of kept that out of my um, your 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 faction can sort of develop sub factions within it, which is kind of a cool thing that Stellaris lightly borrows from Victoria Two, which is all about mm-hmm. like different classes and agendas form within your society. You're not this like abstract monolith. But the cool thing was, do you know where my people discovered religion? It was on where? the planet I forgot about. On the border of the Empire, where I had a bunch of unemployed bear people, like forgotten colonists, just like sitting on these empty tiles, not doing anything. They had nothing to... And they were like, So they sat around, like you didn't build any building, you didn't build like a power plant for them to work in, you didn't build like like, uh, research (laughs) laboratories, and so left alone... It was just meadows and streams. They got connected to their spiritual side. That's right. They found God in the in the river, in the sky. That's right. And I know that's not true. I know it's because we probably it's because they were also on the frontier with right. a empire that had spiritual beliefs. Like I am sure yeah, but that's still kind of cool, right? Like yeah. I think that, that I think that, that is built into the system intentionally because you could have built buildings that make it so that they remember the core values. Like there are literally structures you can build that are like, hey, remember what we do back at, at uh in my hometown is we're scientists. Remember that you believe in in the scientific method. You don't believe in weird space gods, but you didn't build those structures. And instead, the nearby culture 
they are broadcasting their propaganda. This is where I start. Awesome, awesome. But how much of this is because like you like do a lot of like you know like role playing and, and dungeon mastering? Where like by right. nature you are imaginative because. I think for a lot of other people, they could look at that and go, yo, that's just bad storytelling built into the game's <laughs> mechanics, and you're making up for a lot of it because you're just naturally inclined to fill in the gaps. <laughs> but but some, of this, <laughs> some of this is the is – the, uh, I don't know, though. man. I, I, no, I, I think you're reaching here. I no, think you're ethics, reaching. Ethics, ethics attraction is a thing that's systemically represented in the game in which when you're on the frontier, other space empires can influence your populations and spread their space ethics in place of yours. Like, that's just rendered in the game. And to counteract that, you need to pass edicts, you need to spend currency. Like, there's all sorts of ways in which you need to try to keep your populations in line with what you believe or else they'll slowly slide over to another uh, empire's way of belief. Like, that is represented in the game. That's what I do is take the extra step and say, like, okay, well, what's that look like? Like, I get that there are numbers there. I get that it says that bit by bit the people on this planet are sliding to look more like the, their neighbors. But I'm curious, what's happening on the ground there that makes them believe that? What, um, are, what, the, what are those bears rolling around saying? Saying, exactly. You know, like when they're chilling by the meadow. Are right. They like, when they're getting high. Welcome uh, to Weed Week. Hashtag Weed Week. Uh, they're like, they're, that cloud looks like God, man. That's Is about, that what they're saying? That's what that looks like. That's what they're saying. And they're rolling around. Well, no, or like are there people coming by? They're like – so like a thing that that game doesn't do is like there's no notion of – um, civilian trade. You don't see civilian ships. A few other games like this will show civilian ships and stuff like that. But you can imagine that, like, oh, yeah, like, local traders are coming through and trading with this little planet, and they're the ones who are bringing in, like, Bibles and shit, right? Or, like, they're just, like, saying, like, Godspeed, and, and your bear people are like, what speed? What? Who? Huh? Uh, wh- who's? What's God? What's a God? And then it all happens from there. But, what like, for me... So, so the thing about like ethics attraction, to, to Patrick's point, is that those mechanics are going to result in really similar things happening in game after right. game after game. Like people on the frontier are gonna get pulled in some unexpected direction. Like that's just always gonna happen. So, is there much of a narrative hook there? For me, I want generally something a little more ornate hung on those hooks before mm-hmm. I will start to join in the storytelling and build from it. Whereas like Austin, like inveterate role player trying to be a good like character uh, in, in a it's, story. It's like the bad, it's like you're playing with like, you know, a bunch of newcomers for like a role playing group. It's like, this guy's not very good at the coming <laughs> up with stuff. Like I'm going to help this guy out yep. and I'm going to fill in the gaps That's for totally, him. That's totally, or for me, the thing that uh, the reason I prefer this to some other similar things is, so I, I feel like this can go one of two ways. And even inside of Stellaris, it goes one of two ways, which is sometimes you get the same literal event over and over again. Like I've played this sometimes times you get the, you find the space amoebas, you find the Tianki crystalline entities. Like they are always called the thing they are. And the game could go one and two direct one of two directions or, or there are a couple of different strategies. It could build a bigger list of handcrafted events that you stumble into so that you do get to the thing and you see a, a, a scripted event that says, a, a, you know, um, an encounter with a certain specific alien missionary has turned your people into being more religious. And I get that that is attractive for some players who want that scene scripted out for them. Yeah. But I prefer personally knowing that that's happening systemically and then I can craft what that scene looks like in my own head because it will be different every time that I script it in my head. Whereas if I've played 12 games and it's like, oh, the missionary showed up again, then I'm just saying, oh, did you get the missionary event? I think mean, that's what happens in Crusader Kings 2, which I love, but it's like, oh, did you get the, the event where the devil missionary showed up? Cool, okay, I got, I'm on that arc now, I'm on that path. This sounds similar, I have, uh, 
like when I worked at Giant Bomb and I would I would sit in and watch uh, Vinny Caravello play video games. The the way that man plays video games <laughs> is similar to when you see sort of things shared on Twitter where a crazy thing happens in their game and it's like, oh man, that's <laughs> awesome. You know what? None of that shit ever happens in my games. Like when I like see all this cool stuff shared on Twitter with like Breath of the Wild, like yeah. look at this wacky thing that happened in my game. I was like. I didn't do that. Like, I just played the game like a normal person, and none no, of this gotta, cool, gotta, crazy ooh. shit happens to me. And this, like, actually, look. like, bothers gotta me look. sometimes. It makes me feel like I play games poorly or, like, less imaginatively. So, like, this extends wider out to, like, I think sort of, like, a philosophical difference in, like, approach to games that, like, you have, Austin, in which right. I don't. Like, whereas, like, you enjoy that, like, systemic Jivrin, uh, uh discovery, like, creating your own thing. That shit doesn't happen to me. And so often I play games that rely on, like, player creativity for those moments to occur. They don't happen to me, and then I enjoy the games less because I feel like less of a player for not pulling those things off or bringing that to the table. Okay, so two things. One, playing games like that is like playing jazz. It's about the bacoblins you don't kill. You know what I mean? Like, it's... <laughs> You gotta, you got, you have to meet it halfway. You have to improvise. You have to. It's part of why I love doing permadeath every week. Is because yeah. like it, it actually gives material constraints that say no, you can't play the game this way, and it forces me to be even more creative and like, and it makes every time that I that I do something wild that much more, more dangerous dramatic. and more dramatic yeah. and more playful. Uh, for people who don't know, we're doing a weekly stream called Permadeath, in which I'm trying to beat Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild with only three lives. I've only lost one so far, and we're like. Getting there, I mean, like, you've not been getting, doing we're great not ever there. since That's that bullshit. one. But you know, right. you've been doing great. So. Um, I haven't lost any other lives since the first one, and we're in Hateno Village and we're we're making moves. Um, yeah. Two though, Patrick, think about how much more you might enjoy the games that don't give you that space or that don't demand that sort of meeting them halfway, uh, and instead say like, "Hey, here is our strict, very beautifully rendered narrative that doesn't leave any room for interpret not interpretation, but any room for like wiggle room or like making up your own solutions to the problems." We've built a really good, like, fun, direct line. Uh, I, I I don't mean this as a diss in any way, but like I really don't enjoy things like that. Like Last of Us was a game that I think lots of people really loved, and I like, yep. left it going like, okay, like that was okay. But I'll, the things that I'm, I remember cleanest about it were a scene in which I was supposed to save Ellie, but wasn't allowed to go into the room that she was in until I killed the last bad guy who was hiding behind a crate two hundred yards away. Right. Uh, and I remember the fight with the sniper. That should have been incredible, and instead I found my way to a point where I had a line of sight on him, um, shot at him, couldn't hurt him because that's not the solution, and saw a bullet come sideways out of his gun and hit me. Like, Ah. literally from my sniper rifle, saw the bullet arc to the left at me and was like well this isn't that's not my type of game i don't get to do the creative solutions there what i needed to do was kill all the dudes and rush to the door to to trigger the cutscene. um and i just think like we get different things from from these games right right? like i i happened to get more enjoyment out of the ones where link will jankily get the angle and manage to like hit the shot that hits the rope that causes the thing to fall right all sorts of weird bullshit like that where oh none of that was really planned it was just the systems were there to to lead you to to make that right and i don't think that my that my enjoyment is better than anybody else's i think that that can come across because of the enthusiasm sometimes from like when people talk about far cry 2 or talk about breath of the wild um where it feels like we're so excited about the um, the emergent storytelling that it it can be like it can come across as dismissive 
of people who want more of the more tightly crafted. Yeah, and I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to do that, Rob. You had a handoff. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm just curious. Zachney, um, <laughs> you're not supposed to peel the curtain back like that, uh, like Austin. Okay. Like we're live on Twitch. People can see you do it. Yeah, they can see it. That's fine. <laughs> but anyway, I am curious. Like, okay, going back to the tabletop role playing analogy. Yeah. I created a very nice encounter for you. It had dramatic moments, cool settings. Mm-hmm. Work with me, Austin. Like, I gave you this entire, like, dramatic run through Sniper Alley to go, right. like, work your way through all these dudes. You're going to burst in. Like, and it wasn't subtle. The blocking was there. You saw the path. And instead, Fuck you were like, you, you were like that player. You're like that, that party in D&D. It's like, mm, we could fight this battle. But instead, we're going to use all our rogues' utility powers to spin this off in an entire direction. In fact, you know, we're not 86 the entire quest. We're going to go try to kill God. That's what I... So literally, I mean, so for people who know, I I run a a tabletop role-playing game uh, podcast called Friends at the Table. Friendsatthetable.net. Friends underscore table on Twitter. Friends underscore Um, table. That game is has been defined, or that, that podcast has been defined by moments in which I have to throw out months of preparation because my players do something I didn't anticipate. Uh, and that's been the highlight for me as a GM and as, as someone who makes the show is like, oh, I have this great boss fight set up where they're fighting this guy. I think I've told this story, maybe not on this podcast, but on a different one, um, where they're fighting a guy who, or like a monster that consumes the essence of words and and has consumed all of these powerful words over the course of a thousand years of life. And like, all right, it's going to have fire powers and it's going to be able to like summon hatred out of them. It's like all this stuff around like different conceptual things. And then I had this one player who's playing this incredibly arrogant wizard who for once in his life, um, like, focused in on the notion that he didn't know anything at all, that he himself could be ignorant and like really focused on it so that the word eater would eat that word from him. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah, if the word eater eats ignorance, it's going to lose all of the knowledge it has. <laughs> and I throw out this boss fight because that's just like a way doper ending to this conflict. Um, because of that, because I'm willing to throw that prep away, we wound up in weird cities of the undead. We've wound up with gods dying that I didn't expect to die that completely changed the metaphysical realms of what this fantasy setting were. We went from from fighting what looked like an evil corporation to fighting like uh, a living embodiment of late capitalism. Uh, like, like, oh, wow, I didn't know that I this didn't- to listen to going. this show. She'll listen to Friends I, at the Table. I have to. It's so, like those moments exist because I'm willing to both build the cool sniper alley and then when the rogue says like, no, nah, I got another way to do it, let that happen. Um, and I, I like games the most when they are doing that, when video games the most when they are doing that. But of course, they're, I think to Patrick's point, games are better at giving me scripted stuff. Like The Walking Dead... Uh, uh, it was better at being a game about a scripted branching story than about emergent moments than than a game about the than a game about zombies has ever been about scripted or, or like emergent zombie narratives. Like I really like State of Decay a lot, but it's nowhere near I think as good of a game about zombies as the first season of The Walking Dead is. Like, and I can admit that. Because I think that games are so far really good at that sort of storytelling. Um, and I think maybe the reason I champion that sort of emergent stuff so much is because when it happens, it feels rare. Yeah. Um, for what it's worth, too, there are plenty of games that say they want to do that thing and just don't. Uh, so it's Or they it's, say they want to do that thing and what actually becomes emergent p- gameplay is like 
a, a bug or a glitch that they right. later on are like, oh, look at our beautiful emergent <laughs> storytelling. And it's like they just didn't QA that out. Right. As opposed or, to building something deliberately that allows you a lot of freedom and totally. then kind of going with or that. Or that goes halfway, like the first, like Shadows of Mordor, which is like, oh, wow, there's all sorts of cool stuff happening here. But fundamentally, all I can do is kill or enslave these things, right? right? right. Like, oh, wow, like that's the guy I killed once before. I'm going to fucking kill him again. And it still feels cool because it's – that's, you know, Nikvar, the, the flame orc or whatever. But like <laughs> – Welcome to to my new fantasy podcast. Right. I'm going to name orcs for the next hour. Well, I guess, and that's what I that's why I like those systems. Like, I, I see you poking the holes in like your actual ability to have choice and direction in a game like Shadow Mortar. But as a player that tends to not find right. themselves in situations that organically create those narratives and stories, just because the way I guess I play video games. I appreciate systems that create the illusion of having those organic and interesting moments built into systems, which is a different approach to having the player have that experience that right. for folks that won't naturally just go do a weird thing and, like, push the boundaries of the system and throw a grenade down a hill and see what happens. Like, I'm just not <laughs> going to do that. Yeah, yes, that was a deliberate Far Cry 2 reference. I know, I, to, I know. Know, I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> I just tend to not have those moments, so I appreciate when games, even if it is all a structural illusion that you can, like, rip the facade apart, I appreciate the attempt at creating the facade because it gives me those, or can give me those moments that I will not organically find on my own. Totally. What about, so we can kind of pivot here a little bit, Patrick, you're 15 hours into Persona 5, which is a game that has lots of dialogue options um, and lots of mechanical, lots of lots of uh, agency in like the party that you're building, which sort of persona you're taking into the dungeons, things like that. But like, that's not a game with branching paths. That's not a game where systems can lead to unique outcomes from dungeons or anything like that. Um, Do you find that the choices that you're given there are adequate at making you feel like... A, a cool story is unfolding or does it pick up does it does it manage to do that despite not having not giving you any sort of like serious agency in how you're coloring your character or the world persona 5 is very good at making me feel stressed out at all times and now that i'm even <laughs> thinking about it i'm actually getting stressed out about it again but the pace that game moves uh yeah i don't know um I, I, even 15 hours in, like, there's so little story happening in Persona 5. Like, I was told early on that you have to be patient with the storytelling in, in, in this game, that it takes a while for it to kind of really hit the ground running. Like, I finished the first palace. Like, I understand sort of, like, the narrative conceit of of what, what's going to be happening uh, in, in the game. But, um, I mean, like, the, yeah, the, the storytelling in Persona 5 is, is more about, like, who you choose to spend time with and then like the story it's essentially you spend time with one person but not another person and you start making choices over gating certain you know subplots that you're just not going to be able to experience because the game is 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 framing narrative around the passage of time which a lot of games do but not in a way that is as constrictive as as persona 5 makes it to be so i don't know like i haven't figured out what my if i'm really having a mode of storytelling as much as i'm just choosing like it's more of a choose your own adventure and you're seeing, you know, glimpses into other chapters knowing that right. you just are deliberately not going to see others. Do you do the thing that happened for me when I played previous Persona games where it would be like, oh, I really like this character. And then you get like three levels deep into their social link. And then you go, oh, fuck, I kind of don't. This is kind of yeah. not – I'm not really interested in this. I feel like I've wasted all this time. Got a real Yosuke situation here. Yeah, you oh, fucking – Yosuke, Yosuke is – a bad person, <laughs> but a good, but yeah, mm, 
Yeah, I'm not here to defend Yosuke. I'm not going to do <laughs> no, that. Actually, but actually that guy. Yosuke works because he is like that friend that a lot of people end up with in high school that like you realize later, oh no, you were socially isolated because people figured out you're a dick. Yeah, kind of. It's I um, I really wish there was a level in the Yosuke. This is a Persona 4 character for oh, people yeah. who are listening. Yeah. Um uh thing where you're just like level 7 is you being like, "You know what? Maybe we're done." Maybe we should branch out, Yosuke. Maybe we should, like, hang out with some other people. See other people. See other people. Maybe, like, you come to me when you... Or just even to be, like, more specific, like, my dude, why are you so homophobic? Can you chill? Can you chill? Like, let's have that talk. And if you don't want to deal with it, we could, I could hang out with some other folks from now part on. Part ways. I just yeah. wanted him to have a turn, and he didn't ever get that turn. Ugh. Anyway, who are you choosing in Persona 5 so far, Patrick? Well, again, like it's so early that like my the choices you have are you, you can't really make. Uh, like the game gives the illusion that uh, time is passing so fast that you're making choices you won't be able to go back and see other things. But I'm right. early enough in the game that there aren't enough characters to be making choices in which like you're gonna fall behind uh, with others. Um, I I just need to know who your favorite is, Patrick. I need to know. Yeah. The internet needs uh, to know. Mm, I mean, is I really it the nurse? Like, I really is it. The nurse is not interesting enough yet. Interesting, the nurse just seems super interested in fucking me up, which is, you know, curious. <laughs> you know, that I mean, that's fine. That's like its own, I guess she's you know, a doctor. approach to a relationship. She's a pharmacist. Uh, I she's like learning how to doctor? make coffee. Doctors. Well, you pharmacists know. are doctors. Yeah. PharmDs. That guy's kind of weird, too, though. Yeah, he seems like he's up to some shit, and he should maybe stop giving me so much shit about what's going on in my life because yeah. you got mysterious <laughs> calls coming in and people showing up to your coffee shop, so why don't you just back off? Back the fuck off. Danielle, uh, you're, you've been watching. Do you uh, have a fave? Yeah, my girlfriend's like 80 hours in. Jesus. She's real far. She still has a ways to go. Right. <laughs> uh, I think I like the cat the best. Uh, I think I like Morgana. Morgana? Yeah. He's really good. He's I very mean, good. It's, a, it's a he cat with Morgana. Mm-hmm. Uh, isn't it? Is, is it well, d- d- spoilers, because 15 hours in, like the question of whether Morgana is a boy or a girl is like, like a confusing narrative point that they 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 dance around. Is it really? I must have missed. <laughs> I think some of early this on he's on. like he uses he pronouns in relation yeah. to himself. That's why I'm saying he. His the only reason. name is Morgana, which is traditionally what we uh-huh. think of as a woman's name. Uh, he's a cat. There's also a debate about whether or not he's a cat or not, even though he's right, clearly a cat. That is a big cat. He, well, he could be a car. <laughs> car is similar to cat. It's only one car letter cat. off. It's this only is one why letter people off. Hate car anime. cat. I mean, I agree. I agree. I agree with you, Rob. I agree yeah, well, with you. you're 15 hours into this anime, motherfucker. Here we go. We're it's in like it. you're describing like a shitty Utena remake. <laughs> I love that you you're know that. You talk shit about anime. I love that you know it. A new reference that doesn't hold. The you only way it. to truly understand something you hate is to learn what it is. <laughs> okay. Good. And watch 112 hours. <laughs> 2017. It's also, yeah, I mean, uh, I, correct me if I'm wrong on whether this is, like, unique to Persona 5 or not, because I have not played, I played an hour and a half Persona 4 with the intention of playing more of it, um, but just, you know, it just fell off, and I've never played the series in the past, other than maybe playing uh, one of the Shin Megami Tensei games for, like, an hour and a half on PS2, but, right. like, it's really interesting how, and this isn't a spoiler for Persona 5, but, you know, like, the the, the idea is that you're, uh, you know, essentially like going into these these palaces, these dungeons, which, like, represent, like, the twisted personalities of bad people in the world. And then when you solve the dungeon, like, they confess their sins. And, like, this right. really cathartic, 
way that is like incredibly like you know when it happens with the first character again i'm not gonna get into the plot structure of like who he is or or what happened but um it's really interesting to in the game narratively to like someone who is a a categorically bad actor who has done like demonstrably awful things to people in the world and then an action that you do as the player forces them to make a public comeuppance in which they When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Only discuss what they did and admit they were wrong in a public setting, like, which is not a thing that happens in reality. It's a thing that we like crave and wish that people who are bad actors could mm-hmm. be convinced that they are wrong and they would talk about why they are wrong. Yeah. But that never yeah. actually happens. That's not how society works. And yet what's interesting, like the power fantasy of Persona 5 is this idea that you can convince you know, maybe not through uh, means that they fully understand, but convince them to like admit and take responsibility for the bad things they do. Like, is a really fascinating narrative conceit. and appealing, right? Very. Is Persona Five kind of about like our deep-seated fear of the disappearance of like shame from like public life? That's kind of what it sounds like. Is Danielle like, seen the most of it? In a lot it. of ways, yes, I think so. Yeah, I mean, it's about a lot of things, but that holds true like that is the implicit narrative right like part of the so the first arc i'm not going to give specific details but for me the most frightening bit of the first like villain the first antagonist that whose heart you're trying to change isn't that he's done terrible things which is terrible it's but it's that other people in the community who are also authority figures know that he's done terrible things and look the other way yes uh and it's only after you know you have to get involved at that point because the authority figures who are traditionally supposed to be there to help protect you uh, and who are supposed to make sure that people like him get their comeuppance and are, are removed from from positions where he can do harm don't do their job. And that's terrifying. Right. I think that can kind of speak a little bit to the notion of shame. Imagine if you didn't have the ability to break into someone's heart and change how they feel like most of us, you know, don't have that ability. <laughs> as, uh, far as, we know. About as far as we yeah. know, we actually had a question that's kind of like vaguely about this. Uh, okay. how, what do you do in that situation? Uh, this comes in from Tim uh, from from Sydney, Australia. Not Tim Barnes, not, Tim. not, not our Tim, Sydney Tim. Um, if you have a question, you can send it, of course, to gamingadvice.com. Use question in the subject. Uh, on Mondays, just so people know, we go to the top of the bucket on Mondays. We oh, skim yeah, the skim surface. skim the top. Yeah. Got to skim from the top of the question. So, so these please, are new and fresh. Right. Please don't feel bad about sending something in and being, and being afraid that it's going to get lost deep in the bucket. Uh, we'll see it. We'll see it. But, we'll we'll, it we'll, but we will say that I'm, I'm going to uh, make it my job this week that we are going to begin the first – purge of the bucket you're gonna dump down, a lot of the bucket out down to right. a manageable size so that uh you know it, it's I, I can imagine it being discouraging to send a question thinking it yes. may not get answered for hundreds of episodes so we're gonna try and get it to a place where uh uh th- th- your your chances are higher but like as austin said like on mondays we we're mondays every monday off stuff. the top so this comes in from tim who says i used to hang out with a group of old high school friends every week to play video games but shitty politics slur filled trash talking and boys club attitudes ended up getting in the way of the fun for me i still get an invite every monday but i haven't showed up for about two years 
I don't regret losing touch with those guys, but I regret not having many people to share the fun of games with anymore. How have you all found people on your wavelength who like games and the time to enjoy them together? How did you all find each other? Love the site and podcast. Cheers from Sydney, Australia. Um, the first thing I'll say is like try to get into their hearts and steal away <laughs> what makes them evil. Um, they're not evil, but they are not great. Sounds like they're a little shitty. It sounds like they're a little shitty. Sounds like they're a little bit like Yosuke. Yeah, you know. Uh, just saying. Uh, so yeah, what did, what do you guys do in this situation? I mean, because of who I am yeah. and how publicly I am who I am, I don't often get people who are uh, using like terrible slurs around. It does happen it sometimes, yeah, no question, yeah. especially in some of the weirder avenues in my life where maybe people don't know me on social media or whatever. You know, right. I, I definitely like work with a lot of folks who have extremely different beliefs about the world, like when I'm on my ambulance, for example. Right. Uh, so what I try to do is do the thing that I was sort of was taught to do in previous careers, which is like, I personally believe in bridge building. I personally, and this is like, always depends like how much are you in danger because legitimately some people are in danger if you come out to someone or or if you you know say certain things to someone like they could (laughs) don't be in danger don't put yourself in danger but if you're in a position where you can do this i do the bridge building thing where i'm like hey i don't know man like there's a lot of people out there who actually aren't this stereotype and like sometimes having a conversation that's not very confrontational and having a conversation that's like Hey, I, I'm going to assume you haven't been exposed to a whole lot of folks that you're making fun of, and that's why you're doing that. Right. Your mileage may vary, and that's not like a one-size-fits-all kind of thing. That's the thing I personally do a lot of the time. Totally. Patrick and Rob. So, hmm. one, I'm just imagining a reality where I've got a regular gaming group that I'm hanging out with <laughs> enough to realize they're all a bunch of scumbags. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. also, like, it, it depends. I don't, I don't know about the group. Like, if it's just a bunch of, like, douche bros... Uh, then uh-huh. probably you just got to flush them. Like you, they've outgrown their usefulness to you, uh, and you've outgrown them as friends. Uh, but I suspect that there are some people, like in a group of friends, there are people you're closer with and and not. And I would not be surprised if the people you do have a stronger relationship with, uh, if you sort of talk to them sort of offline or just in private and be like, hey. Is it just me, or or are game nights kind of weirdly homophobic and racist? <laughs> and chances, are, like you'll be surprised how many people are gonna be like, "Oh my god, they are homophobic and racist." Like I thought it was just me, and it, like so there is kind of a. Sometimes it helps to bring it up with like the people you know to be a little more on your wavelength to just right. like look around, check each other, and be like, "Yo, is this fucked up?" And yeah. then once everyone realizes that it's a little fucked up, you can start. That's when you can go inside the palace of psychosis and change <laughs> right. people's hearts. Go Got right you. in. Take that, Kamashita. Yeah, yeah I, yeah. I don't know if I have any personal experience uh, that I can really bring to bear there, but I, I definitely subscribe to, to Rob's theory of like this is definitely applied in like other, you know, like the, the racist member of your family. You know, right. so not necessarily like a gaming group, but like the idea that sometimes groups tend to sort of. Uh, uh, ignore or, or discussing something uncomfortable or that someone expresses because, you know, in the same way that, you know, people drive by a car accident, like you assume someone else should be the one that does it. But if, if everyone gets on the same page, it's a lot easier for a group of people to like call something out uh, or to try and make that change rather than you feeling like it's just on you to, to, to vocalize and be that change. Because the reason you don't do that is because you don't want to be the person that like, haha, like you shouldn't act that way. And then everyone... 
you suddenly realize that everyone is shitty and, like, doesn't think it's a problem. So, like, you know, if you can kind of work your way there by talking with other members of the group, like, I think, like Rob said, like, there's a good chance that, like, a lot of people are on the same page, but they just don't know how to vocalize it or don't want to vocalize it. But if there's a group dynamic that that shifts, then then maybe there's a chance for... And maybe, you know, sometimes, you know, this I think this is true. Like, I, I experienced this with certain friend groups where, like, it's easy to slip into the shitty, ignorant way you talked in high school and stuff like that. Yeah. If that's like a group you've had for that long, where people have this understanding, they're like, "We know this word is shitty now, and like I'm better than this, but like this is just how we talk because like we've known each other for so long. Like this is, you know, we all know that we're all not racist or homophobic. So like I can I can slip in that word every once in a while, and it's like, you know, part of growing up is recognizing like, hey, like. You gotta leave that shit behind. Yeah, like, nah, yes, actually. maybe you're, maybe you're not, maybe aren't actually homophobic and racist, and you're saying that because like it's a funny word we used to use that we know better now. But like, just stop using the word. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, just like, chill. Just don't. And and I mean, I guess the other thing here is to, to Tim's question is like, what do you do when you've when you've kind of jumped ship? When you've said, you know what, I've given it my best shot. These folks aren't great. How do you meet new people? You I would say it's not okay. <laughs> well. Hey, listen, was... space pirates I sometimes need a little love. Yeah. Uh, I think the the thing to know from Frias for me, like, there's a there's a sort of, there's this line in this email which is like, how did you all find each other? And the answer is like, time and <laughs> luck. Like. And Twitter. Uh, what I think about, yeah, Twitter, but like, but even there, like, the world could have gone this way instead of that way. Oh, for Very sure. easily. And none of us could be having this conversation right now. The people who I count as, like, my dear friends, including the people on this call and in this room, like, it would have been very easy for me not to have them in my life. Some of them came in and out of my life. Some of my my best friends were people who I was friends with uh, 10 years ago, and then for, like, four years we just didn't talk because we had a fight about something. Our lives went different ways. We moved into different directions. Um, And what I think now about, like, the 15 people I'm closest to – it's like a weird patchwork quilt. I didn't like, I didn't have the, maybe this is true for some people, but like, oh, I'm going to go make a new group of friends. Right. It's really hard to do that. What uh, what did happen for me was I committed myself to, to meeting new people. And so like, oh, I'll go to the, the local tabletop game store and I'll run a game there. I'll play in a game there. Or I'll go, you know, start going to a, a book club or I'll start going to uh, something on campus that I wouldn't traditionally force myself to go do. I'll go see a live concert and maybe I'll meet a couple people there. And in general, most of them weren't people I were on my wavelength that I connected with, but maybe one or two of them were. Yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe I dated someone and it turned out weirdly that I was really close with their sister and now we're still friends, right? Yeah. Like that that sort of thing happens and let that happen. And I think that's the way, instead of trying to find like the package, like podcast advertisement style friends <laughs> in a box, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're not yeah. going to get your monthly friend subscription. What you are going to find is Give it time every Austin, now and then. That will become, that oh, will become a thing soon enough. That'll be the yeah. latest and thing and that we said. Well to get close to their sister. That's that's what I that's, Well, <laughs> always, you know always I mean. get close I'm to I'm just saying, sister. like, that's what happens weirdly is, like, the long-term friends that, that I think people have come in weird directions, come from weird directions, and lean into that. Let that be – let that feel normal. Uh I don't know. I, I think just part of growing up is definitely slipping away from big groups of friends. People get busy, and, like, it's hard to get seven people, the same seven people in the room every week. If you have it, love it and, and hold on to it dearly. But I would say, as an advertisement for our forums that are coming at some point, that's probably going to be a good place to find some nice people. I guess we have forums coming. Maybe... That's the thing that we have. 
Have we talked about forums? I, I thought don't think we so, did. No. Okay. We got some forums coming. Community features, rather. Community <laughs> features that we have, like this lovely Twitch chat. Uh-huh. Or uh, we have a we do have a fan uh, run <laughs> Discord. Uh, Discord. That's a good and a place subreddit. to find. And the subreddit. The we subreddit. do have some shout outs to the subreddit. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, those are the sorts of things like find the communities where other people who you vibe well with are already going and and try to meet some people there. Yeah, well, you got to give yourself the most chances, right? Like, and so like that's why you know, like joining groups and like going to places and just giving yourself a shot with like the most amount of people because that's just especially the nature of like making friends when you're an adult, which like sucks and is hard. And you know, Katie and I have realized this as uh, when we bought a house and we don't go out as much because we have a child, like. So, like, we recently had this experience where um, we were at a restaurant with some of Katie's family, and there was, uh, you know, and Jessica's, like, you know, grabbing stuff off the table, and everyone's laughing, and there was this table next to us um, with this uh, with this family, and they had a, a, a daughter that was about a little older than Jessica, and they were like, kind of looking at each other, and so we, like, kind of said hi and chatted for a second, and they were talking about... Uh, like a birthday party they were having for her daughter, like I don't know, a week or two from now, and they they paid their check and walked away. But then Katie and I looked at each other and we're like, we really liked those people. How do you say to those people, we want to come to your birthday party? We think we would be friends. Like there was no, like I don't have like a, yeah. a, a parental business card that's like, here, like let's exchange. Inf- I, I don't. We didn't. We they walked What'd away you and do? we went. We they just walked away and we felt deep regret that those people probably could have been our friends. You could reach out, figure it out. I, what? Just go to that restaurant a bunch and hope they show no, up. No, misconnections. Oh, oh my god, misconnections. Oh, misconnections for parents. Couple for couple. Uh, That's what that means, right? That's what. Yeah. Okay. It's for, for yeah. parents. Uh huh. And that experience in a dog do park this. once. So you, you don't have like any sort of. Was there no clue that it's you could follow? It's too late now. It's this was a month and a half ago. You need to uh, hire a PI. You're going to find these people. Yeah. Don't worry. Get Just their, hire a good PI. Go to the restaurant, get the credit card receipt. You <laughs> remember what they ate, and then... We need to see the tapes from, you know, 4-11. Like, there was people that were sitting next to us. We need to get their faces. We'll go to the local PD. Uh-huh. Get a PI as well. You'll find them. You'll get them. Don't worry. I think this would be worth it, because then Katie and I will just... We'll just find out what their address is, and we will just very organically just show be walking up. our dog and our our kid like out yes. in front of their house. And so she's like, dressed oh, up for a birthday hello, party. Hello, <laughs> fancy Weird. meeting you three quarters of a mile from our house. <laughs> <laughs> this could be a podcast. This sounds like a Gimlet Media podcast <laughs> to me. I like this a lot. Fucking God! All Patrick right, and Katie that's... try to find friends their age that have kids <laughs> roughly the same age. Uh-huh. The <laughs> podcast. Oh, God. The birthday party podcast. Let's do one more little question, and then we'll we'll wrap it up for for this Monday morning. Uh, Rob, which of these other top questions really speaks to you? There's a few other ones here. Which one? Which one do you love? Oh, uh, I like this one about cities. Okay, do you want to read it from Daniel? Sure. From from, LA? from Daniel. A lot of my gaming podcasts have become overloaded with haters who are fairly certain they are LA experts and also can't pronounce Sepulveda. Nice to have you there to <laughs> to me. Nice to have Rob there to educate these pizza boys on tacos and Zanku chicken. Anyway, Waypoint now has people in three great American cities. <laughs> and several people have spent serious time in San Francisco. A lot of video games are set in these cities or fake versions of these cities. What rep- rep- representations of your cities do you think got it right and what oh. got it wrong? I know Patrick has a serious God, problem Chicago. with Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, just deep, deep heavy sigh. I don't need to explain Watch Dogs. You fucked up. I think you might have to. People don't know anything about Chicago. Uh, I, apparently, I mean, they don't. Talked, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, uh, you know, Chicago is not a city that gets represented very often um, in video games. Like, it's while an iconic city does not have. You know, there are things – not, like, great visual iconography in the way that we think of, like, New York or mm. uh, San Francisco. Like, it doesn't have a bridge. That's basically what I think it, like, doesn't have. It's it like does a in Watch Dogs. It definitely <laughs> oh, does in Watch Dogs. There's that one in Watch Dogs. Yeah. Yo, yeah. The, the Chicago in Watch Dogs somehow branches off to, like, the Pacific Northwest of Seattle at some point. <laughs> and, like, just, yeah, uh. and, and so yeah, Watch Dogs has, like, a very uh, – in some ways, like uh, – uh, uh, just a disgustingly stereotypical and gross exaggeration of like the crime uh, problems in Chicago. Like from what I understand, like later, like they mostly just picked up from a, a documentary they watched um, and then built the game mm-hmm. um, and, and paints just a picture of Chicago, which is like a big city, multicultural, lots of different, diverse, interesting neighborhoods in which some of them have a crime problem, like a lot of cities. Like, right. Chicago is not, like, what Donald Trump paints it out to be, but, like, the the the, the, Donald, the, the Chicago that Donald Trump talks about is the Chicago that is portrayed in Watch Dogs, as though, like, oh, it's not a place that people can live in. Or, like, Can't go out for milk. Everything is, like, oh, you, know, a, you know, fucked up, gang-ridden, how, like, high-rises that are just full of guns and, like, it was frustrating because it's 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 exciting as someone that like you know I didn't grow up in Chicago I grew up outside of Chicago but like I take a lot of pride in Chicago as a city and so like the one time it's in a game not only was it gonna be cool to like go down to Millennium Park or like go through Logan Square like areas that I know and love um, I they fucked it up and it's like well you fucked it up this time which means it's probably not gonna be in another game um, for a long time to come and it's frustrating that if someone could play that game. And if their takeaway of what Chicago is, is that, that is like, you know, a crime uh, in itself that, that is really frustrating as someone that appreciates a lot of what Chicago has to offer and it was not represented in that yeah. game at all. I'll say the – I think the one that people come back to a lot from New York is GTA 4 is New York, which is, of course, this like s- s- stark, cynical yeah. caricature of what New York is, but – in it's in the game's quiet moments can capture something about what this place is and was. When I moved to LA for a year and then to Canada for four more years after that, after living in New York for years, I absolutely would boot up GTA four every now and then as just this weird like trip home. But like yeah. I knew it was wrong, right? Like Midtown becomes downtown way too quickly. Like, the the outer boroughs are just a fucking mess. Like, I couldn't ever go to the neighborhoods. I actually lived it in Brooklyn. Um, like, I just didn't. It was – they weren't – they were there for literally a block. Like, oh, there's Prospect Park, <laughs> sort of. Oh, God. Um, there's, like, one – there's a there's – a, uh, I actually met Danny O'Dwyer up at one of the um, – uh, the beer gardens in Astoria that is represented in the game. And in the game, it's like as big as this room is, but <laughs> the actual beer gardens in Astoria are these massive open spaces where kids are running around playing. Um, like, so it's just not there for at all. But it also kind of is. Like, it is kind of enough. There was this moment I had when I was driving a golf cart <laughs> chasing someone to kill them, uh, of course, in, in the financial district in GTA 4, uh, around the World Financial Centers, which are these yeah. three towers. I used to work in one of them, right, uh, in, in 2007, 2008. Um, you know, a short walk from what at the time was still the empty wreckage of Ground Zero. Yeah. Uh, where they hadn't built anything yet. 
and I turn this corner past one of these huge glass structures in the game on this golf cart, and, like, for the briefest moment, like, the quickest little snapshot, I felt dizzy because it was so it was oh I've, I've turned around this corner before jersey city is right over there and then like down there and like it was just like so exactly right in my head and those little snapshot moments are transformative for someone who's lived there i'm just like oh wow yeah i i recall living there i recall getting a lunch with my friend aj i recall going to the movies nearby and getting way too expensive beer at the bar nearby because <laughs> everything in fidei is way too expensive yeah. like that is really rad. Um, and I had the opposite thing with L.A. in that there is uh, – there was I have a very clear memory of going to um, a museum in L.A. Uh, for an event or a couple of events. And I had this like very clear memory of a parking lot that doesn't exist in L.A. anymore. It's become a building because this was four or five years ago now, six years ago. That parking lot is still in GTA Five, <laughs> And, like, it's near this, this really great tunnel with these, like, uh, fluorescent lights down it. And, like, it's really weird to be able to go to that place in GTA Five and, like, oh, yeah, this is where, like, me and my friends used to park the car before we went to this museum a bunch of times. It exists here. It doesn't exist in the real world anymore. It's this weird archive of a place that's gone. Um, and I don't know that I like the rest of GTA V's L.A. that much. Uh, Rob, as someone who lives in L.A., what do you think of that game's attempt at L.A.? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of bounced off that game a, a little bit. I, I think... So you had a, with, with GTA, you, you kind of have a perfect convergence of the Hauser's culturally illiterate satire... And a city that is unusually easy to stereotype and get wrong. And when you slam those two things together, you get something that at first glance is enormously repulsive. So I like that that's that kind of that that was kind of a hang up for me. I I think the I think an issue a lot of video game cities have is that on on some fundamental level, you can never live in them. Your characters are like the story of cities is how people uh, live in them. It, it it is the way people where people are going to work, what they're what they're doing when they're when they're not at work. And in a video game, all of that's going to be a backdrop for prob let's be honest, probably a bloodbath. Uh, maybe right. a hacking yeah. adventure that turns into a bloodbath, but still, that's that's probably <laughs> going to be uh, w- what happens. And the other thing you're going to run into is if you're not willing to engage with what like the way cities are structured and how people live in them the way you're going to create that sense of authenticity for a lot of your audience who are also not familiar with the thing you're modeling is you just play into the worst. You, you just play to the stereotypes, right? So LA is, yeah. oh, it's so superficial in Hollywood and everyone's got like, uh, you know, a regular plastic surgeon that they use and that's all they care about. And that is so not the city, but for a lot of people that is LA. And so if you don't hit that beat, People are going to be like, oh, I was hoping that GTA was right. going to be about Los Angeles and be a send up of that. And so I, I feel like that's like what happens to a lot of video, video game in. cities. Right. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting dilemma to have, I think. Is like, I, I talked to some of the people uh, on the Mafia 3 team about this, yeah. which was like, are you trying to represent? You're not representing uh, New Orleans. Exactly. Like, you know, you're not. So you're not even calling it that. You're calling it New Bordeaux, and and it has wider streets than New Orleans, and it has basements that New Orleans couldn't possibly have because they would flood. Um, (laughs) 
you know, it, it, it is similar enough to evoke a certain thing. And, and the question I kept asking them was like, are you trying to evoke New Orleans in the 1960s or are you trying to evoke something that will be felt as New Orleans in the 1960s? Right. Because those are two different things. Like a, a place in a specific time is a certain way and there are ways to represent that that uh, are accurate and there are ways to represent it that feel accurate. Yeah. Did you play much L.A. Noir? Rob, mm-hmm. are you? God, are you, I love that game. Yeah, you, so it's yeah. Gonna be a... Do you know anything about LA in that time period, and and whether or not that which of those two kind of columns it fits into, or those? I've heard that it does evoke a lot of it structurally, at mm-hmm. least. Like the streets are actually fairly accurate to what the streets were, and the buildings are actually fairly accurate to what the buildings look right. like. Right. I mean, you talk about the story of LA Noir. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a part of. Want, I think that that's part of yeah. how it's trying to represent its time period. Yeah, for sure. For it's like sure. a post-war. I mean, I think it's also trying to be L.A. confidential in Chinatown at right. the same time as yeah. like some the the really interesting thing about that game is that there was actually like two modes. You could like play the story and in, in the world, or you could actually play the mode that let you just drive around and collect things, right? Which is kind of rare. I don't know if other open world games do that super often, where it's like actually separating the story content from the sort of like, hey, you know what's fun is driving around in this like pretty amazing recreation that we made, uh, which is in itself pretty interesting. Right, which is interesting, but like a completely different thing. Yeah. Yeah. I I just want to mention briefly two games that I love dearly that have represented sort of very loosely, but gotten the character of two Mm. cities that I've lived in. And those are the first two crazy taxi games where there are no bloodbaths. You're doing something Mm. else... Okay. They dodge, but you know there would be bloodbaths. There, there would be some blood, but you're not like... There would the be bloodbaths. <laughs> the point of the game is not to murder. There will be blood. At some point Pretty in New blood. York and San Francisco, there will yes. be blood. But they do an amazing job of making like a very cartoonish right. and like exaggerated, but also like in a in a... Not in a you know, illiterate satire way, but in a very, like, sort of loving and endearing and, like, fun, you know, Dreamcast-era, happy, fun, sunny sort of sort of way, and I love it. Is that how how San Francisco feels to you? I mean, you know, I I didn't drive a cab in San Francisco, but the sort of verticality (laughs) of that city... We found a job that Danielle has not done, by the way. (laughs) Finally. You found one. Yeah. You did. You found one. Just wait. You know, next week, ask me. But hang on. So, I don't remember (laughs) Crazy Taxi real well and so what i remember is like what i remember is not having enough quarters and uh people sort of and i yeah 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 crazy money so what's so like what is it about like so what are the passengers saying like what is it about these that game that's kind of evoking uh these places and why isn't it why is this kooky why doesn't its kookiness curdle into shittiness well, I mean, like, you could certainly argue some of that kookiness curdles into shittiness now, and maybe it didn't in 1999. I mean, all the all the sort of little people that you pick up are sort of general, vague stereotypes of people you'd find in San Francisco. There's a psychology grad student. You know, it's, it says it at least in the manual of the game. I played mostly the Dreamcast version, You're going like, to be clear. Into, oh, into this. You know, I love that game a lot. Uh, and I think it holds up because it's a great arcade game that actually has an incredibly fun gameplay loop of, like, you know, oh, you can take like an easy fare, or you can take a more difficult fare. You can do tricks for more money. You can do kind of all this other stuff that risk versus reward is like really very clearly balanced and clearly sort of given to you on a little platter mm-hmm. of like here's how this all works, and it's still really fun to drive around that city. It's a, good and game. It's a beautiful game that that 
I think the thing it gets the most about San Francisco is a sort of general sunniness and light of the city. Like that, this is a weird thing to say, true? but there's a lightness to that city. Like, do you think like that's a game of that? The San Francisco of that game it's from is from the '90s. It's from the '90s. Yeah. It's mid like internet boom, but it's pre-contemporary Silicon Valley. Yeah. Like, I mean, not that there aren't mirrors to, between those moments, sure. but like. It's before Google buses. It's before, like, it's probably at a time when, when any of us could have the jobs we now have and successfully live and in live San Francisco there. Yeah. and not, like, have to commute for an hour and a half to get in. Right. Um, like it, it is, like, a beautiful and somewhat idealized vision yeah. of that. Absolutely. I think that's really going to be really interesting going forward, that, like, 30 years from now, we will have crazy taxis San Francisco. Whereas the real San Francisco will, of course, be the capital of of Sci-Vi, the Sci-Vi, new Silicon right. Valley yes. like mega corporation that has taken over the that northwestern of quadrant yes. of not just California but the North American continent. Right? Uh, will they'll obviously be at war with one of the other confederacies? Like it's all, it's going to be a whole terrible Absolutely. future. A um, little bit of Mad Max, but also right. A little more Blade Runner. A little there. That part will be very Blade Runner. Yeah, you've seen Blade sure. Runner. That's actually it says L A. But that's they renamed San Francisco Los Angeles. <laughs> Man, yeah. now I'm just picturing like Google Sci-fi. Death Squads like rooting out oh, yeah. the last of the Facebookistan resistors in the vineyards of yeah. Napa. I, and like, don't be evil. <laughs> changed oh, a little bit, you know, uh, over the years. Um, um, I used to have uh, a a. Um, a beef with Margaret Atwood's use of uh, the corporate, the Corporation Security Corps in the Year of the Flood and some of her other post-apocalyptic dystopian future fiction, because it was it was uh, reduced down to it was it was uh, the Corpse Corps, C O R P S E Corps. But now that I live in this world, I feel like it's yeah no. She didn't real, go far she enough. She didn't go far enough. Yeah. The real world. <laughs> oh yeah, the Death Squad, and then like D E T H S Q U A D, and they put a hashtag at the top. Oh. Like that's where we're actually going to be. Fucking ugh. like if you look at what happened to United the other day, I know. we're not actually. Our world is any different at all. Fucking ridiculous. So, we're gonna get out of here. We're gonna yeah. face this world for the rest of this week. We got some streams coming. We obviously have the the podcast on Friday coming. We have some good writing coming. It's it's Weed Week on Vice. If you're into Weed Week, if you want to hear stories, yeah. <laughs> Can you give me a hashtag Weed Week? Hashtag Weed Week. There it is. Uh, <laughs> Very nice. I think we have one or two stories about weed on we the don't site have a this ton. week. But you can go to join Vice. the conversation. Hashtag join the conversation. Yes. Please. Uh, there's other stuff going on all week. Look look for it at waypoint.vice.com, at twitter.vice.com, uh, at facebook.com slash waypointvice. You can see all the videos that we do at youtube.com slash waypointvice. Yeah. Uh, shout outs to Tim Barnes, uh, at timbarnes451 on yeah. Twitter, our podcast producer. Shout out to Dylan Coburn, who doesn't have an internet presence. He only lives on the dark web. Uh, he stays off the grid. He surfs. In the real world. Right, that's actually online. true. He's a surfer. He does surf. Yeah. Uh, Daniel, where can people find you on the internet? Danielle R.I. on Twitter. Rob you can Zachney. see all sorts of pictures of my cats and dog. Happy birthday again to Ori Thank and you. also Patricia. Yes. In that order. Rob <laughs> Zachney, what about you? I'm on Twitter at Rob Zachney. Patrick Klepek. You can find me blazing up at Great. Patrick <laughs> Klepek on Twitter. 
is can I, please, can I please get a picture of Patrick Klepik smoking a joint next to Blaze the Cat from Sonic the Hedgehog? Oh, Blaze. Please. Just Blaze. Just Blaze. Shout out oh. to Just Blaze, who hasn't been around in a minute. But I guess, technically, right. according to the canon of Waypoint, he owns us. I think that that's right. true I still. think he does. Uh, you can find me at Austin underscore Walker on Twitter. Look again for everything that we do here at Waypoint.Vice.com. Shout out to Bowen for letting us use his song, Miss You, off the EP Pale Machine. You can find out more about that at Waypoint.Zone slash B-O-E-N. That's going to do it for us. Do you have something to say, Daniel? Be good or be good at it. Peace. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.